Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Of all the books of the Bible, the book of Revelation has provoked the most interest and curiosity. And yet for many today, it is the most obscure book of the Bible. You know, strange images and frightening scenes described in the book have caused many to turn away from reading it. On today's program, we're beginning a study of the book of Revelation to explain the book in plain language. And I pray that you will discover that Revelation is not as difficult to understand as it appears to be. There are some obscure prophecies, that is true, and symbols that we will probably never be able to understand until they are fulfilled. However, when we understand the messages of Revelation as a whole, we will discover that the central theme of Revelation is Jesus. Now, before moving through the pages of Revelation, attempting to unlock the meaning of what is written here, it is important that we understand some basic information about the book. Revelation was written by someone named John. Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, we read, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. The fact that the book does not explain who John was shows that he was well known to the original readers. The earliest Christian authors who lived close to the time of Reve that Revelation was written agree that this John was John, one of the 12 apostles, the son of Zebedee and the author of the fourth gospel and the three epistles. Now, John wrote Revelation while he was on the island of Patmos. Patmos is a small rocky island in the Aegean Sea southwest of Ephesus. The early Christian authors unanimously state the apostle was banished to the island by the Roman authorities because of his faithful preaching of the gospel. Although the book does not indicate the date, strong evidence suggests that Revelation was written around A.D. 95 near the end of Emperor Domitian's reign. And this date has been confirmed by many early Christian authors. Now, the book was originally sent to seven Christian congregations located in large cities of Asia Minor. And there is sufficient evidence that at the time, Christians were suffering increased persecution for the Romans. The worst persecution was yet to come, however. Thus, the book was written to encourage Christians facing a difficult future. Although originally written to them, Revelation was not written only for them, but also for all Christians throughout history until the end of time. The book points to God who is in control of the situation in the world. It also concludes with God's triumph over the forces of evil and the establishment of God's everlasting kingdom. Now, no book of the Bible has been the object of so much interpretive approaches as this one. 
The question how to interpret the prophecies of Revelation and apply them historically has generated much debate in the last several centuries. So today there are four distinctive interpretive approaches to the book. Preterist or preterism from the Latin preter meaning past is a method of interpretation that places the whole significance of Revelation in the past. The book from this perspective deals exclusively with the Christian church in Asia Minor and its struggles with Rome at the time it was written. In this view, Revelation does not predict the future. John the Revelator only wrote about events that took place in his time or in his immediate future. And the purpose, they say, of the book was to encourage the Christians of John's day to persevere in their faithfulness to God. Now, there's the futurist interpretation. In contrast to preterism, the futurist prophecies of Revelation, they say they exclusively come from the end-time perspective. Futurist interpreters hold that chapters 4 through 22 will be fulfilled before the second coming. In other words, the prophecies of Revelation will be fulfilled during the last generation of Christians. Futurism interprets the symbols of Revelation as literally as possible. And today, this is the preferred method of most Protestant evangelicals. Idealist. The idealist approach is based on preterist ideas and recognize that Revelation describes what was happening to Christians in the first century. However, idealist interpreters contend that the book describes in vivid symbolism the ongoing struggle between good and evil that will result in God's ultimate triumph over evil. The book does not speak about literal events fulfilled in the past or to be fulfilled in the future. The messages, they say, of Revelation generally provide guidance to every generation of Christians. Historicists, the historicist approach of prophetic interpretation holds that Revelation portrays in symbolic presentations the course of history unfolding from the first century until the end of time. Some prophecies of the book were fulfilled in the past, some are yet to be fulfilled, and some refer to the present time. Historicism recognizes that the events predicted in the book are pictured in symbolic language. But the events themselves are real, however, they are portrayed in symbolic language. Historicism was the method of prophetic interpretation by Protestants until the 19th century, when many Protestants then turned to other interpretive approaches. Now, as we evaluate these approaches, we notice that preterism limits the relevance of Revelation's message to the first century Christians. Similarly, futurism limits the prophecies of Revelation exclusively to the last generation Christians. So these two methods seem deficient because they imply that Revelation has nothing to offer to the generations between John's time and the end of time. Revelation plainly shows that the first three chapters concerned John's time. However, Revelation 4 verse 1 states that 
chapters 4 through 22 deal with events that will take place beyond John's time and will continue until the end of time. It says, Revelation 4.1, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. So, careful analysis shows that the focus of chapters 4 through 11 is on the movements and events in Christian history from the first century until the end of time, while the second half of the book deals primarily with events that will take place at the end of time. You see, a major problem with preterism and idealism is the denial of the book's predicted prophecies. You see, Revelation claims to be a book of prophecy. John clearly states both in, in, in the introduction and in the conclusion of the book that its purpose is to show God's people the events to take place in the future. Look at Revelation 1, verse 1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. And then Revelation 22, verse 6 says, And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Any interpretive method that denies the predicted nature of Revelation does not do justice to the obvious claims of the book. Both preterism and idealism fail on this ground. So one thus can see the inadequacies of preterism, futurism, and idealism for interpreting the prophecies of Revelation. This sets historicism as the only adequate approach for prophetic interpretation. Historicism sees the events predicted in Revelation both as taking place in the past and the future as well in, as in the centuries that lie in between. This method also recognizes the spiritual applications of the book's messages. It thus becomes evident that the historicist interpretation does the best job of discovering the relevance of Revelation's messages for all ages, even until the end of the age. The prologue to Revelation identifies God as the author of Revelation, as the one who speaks through his Son to show his people the things that will take place. It further introduces the book's author, and its original recipients. And then it describes the central theme and the purpose of the book and how it was written. And finally, introduces the keynote of the book. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. We read, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, 
and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The opening statement generates the title of the book, naming it the Revelation of Jesus Christ. The Greek word apocalypsis means unveiling or uncovering or revealing. It is the apocalypse or the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Now, in the original language, the phrase a revelation of Jesus Christ may mean either that it, it is a revelation from Jesus or that it is a revelation about Jesus. And so both meanings are implied here. Jesus is the primary focus of the book, and Jesus is the key that unlocks the true meaning of the book. So John, by naming the revelation, the book, the revelation of Jesus Christ, wants to tell the readers that he, what he wrote offers a unique portrayal of Jesus that is not found anywhere else in Scripture. Revelation is a gospel as much as the four gospels. See, the four gospels and Revelation talk about the same Jesus. However, they focus on different aspects of his role and his existence. The four gospels portray Jesus as the pre-existent son of God who entered human experience to save fallen humans and who, after his death on the cross and his resurrection, ascended to heaven. But what is Jesus doing now in heaven? Well, Revelation unveils the answer to this question. The book reveals that after his ascension to heaven, Jesus was seated on the heavenly throne. He now rules over the entire universe. You see, the Gospels tell us about Jesus before his ascension. And in that, Jesus made two promises about his future interactions with his people. First that he will always be with them until the end of time, Matthew 28, 20. And second, that he will come again to take them to be with himself, John 14, 1 to 3. Well, Revelation picks up on these two promises. Revelations chapter 1 through 18 describe how Jesus fulfills the promise to be with his people. And Revelation 19 through 22, how he will come at the end of this world's history and be united with them. You see, without revelation, our knowledge of Christ's ministry in heaven on behalf of his people would be vague. 
Revelation is the gospel in the full sense of the word. It emphatically points to the glorified Christ as the one who by virtue of his death conquered death and the grave. Jesus will never forsake his people. He will always be with them until he comes the second time to take them home. Now the prologue further states that the purpose of Revelation is to show God's people the things which must soon take place. It is obvious that the portrayal of future events occupies much of the book. The first half of the book, chapters 1 through 11, delineates the the worldwide events that take place before the first century and the time of the end. In the second half, chapters 12 through 22, that deals primarily with the time of the end and the events leading up to the second coming. So this division suggests this question. So how can the book of Revelation be both the unveiling of Jesus and the unveiling of the events that will take place? Well, for one, the prophecies of Revelation explain from God's perspective why the predictive events will happen. They provide assurance that no matter what the future brings, God is in control. Whatever happens accomplishes God's plans and God's purposes for this world. However, the future events predicted in Revelation are not the primary theme. Revelation is not a divine fortune-telling book, nor are these prophecies given to satisfy our obsessive curiosity about the future. The primary purpose of Revelation is to assure us of Jesus' presence with his people throughout history and particularly through its final events. It's important to keep this in mind. While Revelation informs us about what will happen in the world at the end of time, the book does not show us exactly when and how these end time things will take place. When understood properly, the prophecies of Revelation have practical purposes to to teach us how to live today and how to prepare us for the future. You know, studying the prophecy of Revelation should make us better people, right? Motivate us to take seriously our eternal destiny and to inspire us to try to reach people around us with this beautiful gospel message. Now, the prologue also explains that the contents of Revelation were given to John in visions through symbols. The book does not provide photographic descriptions of heavenly realities or future events that should be interpreted literally. Although the scenes and the events predicted are real, they were shown to John in symbolic presentations. And and John recorded these presentations exactly as they were shown to him. However, due to the limitations of human language, John added some symbols of his own. And you can see that, you know, when John uses things like, you know, like or or, or as. And so while reading the, the Bible in general, it presupposes a literal understanding of the text. 
Studying Revelation calls for a symbolic understanding of the scenes and the recorded events unless the text clearly indicates that there is a literal meaning intended. Now, in dealing with the symbols then, we must remember that the book was written some 2,000 years ago to the Christians of John's time. The symbolic language is that of the first century. We must determine the meaning of those, that, those symbols and what that meant for the original recipients of the book. Symbols and language of Revelation were not born in a vacuum. They came from the Old Testament. Some 75% of the texts that we're going to study in Revelation have direct or indirect allusions to the Old Testament. Now, the book promises blessings to the readers of Revelation. The word here, blessed, is the same word that Jesus used in the Sermon on the Mount, which, you know, with reference to this deep inner joy that nobody or nothing in life can take away, you know, which buoys the faithful through the hardships of life. The readers of Revelation are promised this special happiness when they observe the instruction specified in the prophetic word. Now, let me show you something interesting. Look at Revelation 1, verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep these things which are written in it, for the time is near. So you might notice in the verse 3 that there's a change in text from the one who reads singular to the ones listening, plural, which suggests a public reading of Revelation in a church setting. The listeners were the congregation assembled to hear the expository reading of these prophetic books. Revelation thus envisions individuals in a church or, or a television program who are appointed by God to make the prophecies of Revelation understandable to others, to the congregation. However, this does not suggest that the book is intended to be studied only by a few individuals. Rather, it should be studied by the whole body of believers. When believers understand the prophecies of Revelation and respond by taking these prophecies to heart, it says a great blessing will come upon them. Now, in concluding the prologue, John directs attention to the keynote of the book, the return of Jesus in majesty, in glory. Revelation 1, verses 7 and 8. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. You see, the Old Testament reveals Christ in prophecy. The Gospels reveal him in his earthly life, ministry, sufferings, death, resurrection, and ascension. The Acts and the Epistles reveal the early triumphs of the church under the ministry of his Holy Spirit. In Revelation, Christ is pictured in the glory at the right hand of God as the high priest and minister of the heavenly sanctuary. And so let's take our places 
at the side of the prophet. And by the enabling power of the Spirit, let us catch the inspiration of these messages as we make our way through the centuries and move on into the climax of human history. Let us witness this all-powerful King and Christ as he comes at last to vindicate his name, strip the enemy of his power, raise the dead, be glorified in his saints, to destroy the author of evil, to renew this sin-cursed earth, to reward his suffering saints, and to reign forever as King of kings and Lord of lords. Let us pray. Father in heaven, how we long for the soon coming of Jesus. We ask, Father, that as we study the book of Revelation, you will pour out your blessings as promised on us as we learn. Guide us and protect us. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's time for the book offer. And on today's program, we have this little booklet called God Has a Home for You. You know, we ended our program talking about that soon coming of Jesus when his promise is that he will take us all home. And God has a home prepared for you and for me. If you'd like this little book as a gift from Lessons for Living Television, no obligation whatsoever on your part. Pay close attention to the information we're about to provide you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living Television website, www.l4ltv.com, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've come to an end of another Lessons for Living television program. Thank you so much. I hope you'll make a commitment to join us in, as we make our way through the book of uh, Revelation. And, you know, you may miss an episode or so, but uh, we'll be sure to, on our previous programs tab on our website, l4ltv.com, have a specific button there, a specific tab that will give you access to all of the programs in this series. That is beginning today. So I hope you'll, you'll join us. I'm really excited about making our way through the book of Revelation. We uh, also want to remind you of Instagram, uh, Santos underscore Bill. Follow me on Instagram every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I put out a devotional video. Great way to start your day focused on, on things of God. Uh, follow me on X, Santos underscore Bill. Like our Facebook page. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, download an audio version of the program on um, SoundCloud, you know, particularly this series, you may want to re-listen to it and sit down with your Bible and a pen and, and make some notes right there in Scripture. And so I hope you'll do that. We're rapidly running out of time. Let me thank you again. Hey, can you help us? Let your friends and family know about the program. 
And even if they live outside of our catchment area, they can always watch us on our Facebook page on our YouTube channel. We're all out of time. Thank you so much. We look forward to doing this again next time. We hope you'll be here with us. God bless you. We'll see you then.